0: 11, another guest. Um, do you want to just introduce yourself and what you do, who you are?
1: Hi, um, I'm Ruby Love. I'm a singer-songwriter, um, storyteller and curve model um, and my latest single is called Love is a Killer. And that's just come out two weeks ago. So I urge you to check that out. <laughs> Straight cool. no, away no, with the plug.
0: <laughs> the plugs. No, I like that. I like that. It's good. Um, so just sort of before we get into that, I wanted to take it all the way back. Um, so obviously, where, where are you from originally as well? Are you from the Midlands? or? You...
1: Wow, well, I was actually born in Birmingham, but then okay. I moved to London when I was about 10. So uh, I grew up okay. in London, hence a bit of a mixed accent, and then yeah,
0: yeah, yeah I can tell.
1: <laughs> yeah, so it might be a bit weird. I might go Birmingham in places. Um, yeah, yeah, and then yeah, and then I came back to Birmingham about four years ago.
0: Okay, because I'm from Birmingham originally, so okay. I live in Liverpool now. So I grew up in um, Quinton, that sort of place, and obviously, like, I still miss like going home to Birmingham and stuff. But um, but yeah, I haven't been back for a year. But um, yeah, I can still hear that Birmingham twang a little bit.
1: Yeah, it comes through, I've <laughs> picked it back
0: up. <laughs> Do you know what I find, though? When you're around people, like when I go back to Birmingham, for instance, I'm early, I just pick it up again straight away and I just got, I've got this Birmingham accent and then as soon as I go from Birmingham and I'm back in Liverpool, I just don't have it, which it, is weird. Yeah, I can't hear it
1: in you. But it depends who you're
0: around, doesn't it? Yeah, 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 definitely. Like, I, It's definitely when I go back, it's like I've jumped straight back into it and well, obviously I'm around all my mates out from Birmingham as well. So, um so yeah, yeah. So, because I only noticed that from, um, I noticed that your latest single got played on BBC Introducing in the West Midlands.
1: Yeah, so I just
0: trying to pick how that happened. If you was from London, but the thought, oh, you must from Birmingham.
1: Yes, living in Birmingham, but I'm kind of been between cities. I still work a bit in London on music and stuff. It's you know here and there. I'm flexible.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah um and just like when you were growing up because obviously you've you've had like kind of like the best of both like living in Birmingham and London which I think is quite two good cities um what was it like growing up like first of all obviously in Birmingham and then having that kind of difference going to London
1: um well I had a nice childhood so Birmingham was lots of like you know rose-tinted spectacle memories and it was nice and that's kind of where I've come why I come back because it's a sort of a central sentimental place to me um yeah. and London I think London's cool like it's a really busy city it's really vibrant there's lots to do there's so many opportunities in London people are a bit more straight talking um but maybe have a little less time for each other um mm. for that sense but I think you definitely growing up in London you learn to become streetwise. But I I mean I don't know if that's the same in Birmingham because I haven't grown up in Birmingham in teenage years, but yeah, definitely eventful in teenage years in London.
0: <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. Like what part of London was was you uh, living in?
1: North London. So like Oh yeah, definitely yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um but yeah, I think Birmingham's probably the same, isn't it? I think it's like anywhere, you know, you could it's only when I've moved up to Liverpool that I, I noticed like there's so many similarities from Birmingham and obviously got a lot of family in London. So, um, they've told me a lot of their stories when they grew up as well. Um, and there's so many similarities between the three of them. So I think you get like that anywhere you get that sort of, you've got to be street smart and stuff like that, wherever you move or wherever you, you grow up. But, um,
1: Especially what was,
0: yeah, yeah, definitely. I think yeah, big cities. I, I think Liverpool's quite tiny, like in comparison to Birmingham and um London, obviously. It's a nice city, don't get me wrong. Have you been to Liverpool before?
1: No, I've never been. I like the accent
0: yeah. though. Yeah, it's a good yeah, it's good. Obviously, they've got some some good things to do up here as well. But um going back to sort of your sort of time growing up and stuff like that, what was the sort of music that you was into and did that change when you moved from Birmingham to London?
1: I'm into loads of different music. So my dad's a record collector. And in his spare time, he um, writes songs and sings as well. So I always grow up with him on the guitar singing with me and writing songs and playing music with me. But we also had a massive um, jukebox with loads of Motown records, um, old soul records, jazz records. But then I suppose he, my dad's like a massive Bob Dylan fan. Okay. So um a lot of sort of like folk rock as well, like singer-songwritery sort of stuff. And that's he did covers of that. We used to learn loads of Bob Dylan songs and Jane Baez songs and Dusty Springfield and but I loved Tina Turner when I was little, maybe because she was that bit of an exhibitionist. And <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> Definitely. yeah, no, that's cool. And I think that's that's good because I think you've you've had like a, a wide range of different um like genres and 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 different sort of backgrounds to pick pick from as well in terms of those eyes you just mentioned as well
1: yeah and then Um, growing up you know you get into all different sorts of things so obviously old school garage funky house you know everything like that that sort of era is the era that I grew up in going out to all of that when
0: you was in London yeah yeah I was gonna say that sounds like a (laughs) Because obviously at that time as well, I think obviously like um, UK garage and funky, all that was Massive. really vibrant. Yeah, in London, and that was like the hub of it, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, loved it. So, but my music isn't isn't anything like that. But I can appreciate all different types of music. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, definitely. And having a jukebox must have been amazing growing up. Like, I can only imagine what that was like.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was so cool. The pr- problem was when actually. um we moved to London, it broke on the way. So we would only oh. put it full blast. So we had to get rid of it because we were, you know, annoying the neighbours. But yeah, it was great.
0: <laughs> oh, that would be, be amazing. And so your dad's a songwriter as well. Is that where you got that from? Like that kind of trait of wanting to kind of get into the music industry from your from your dad? Um,
1: yeah, so he sort of songwrites on the side. Um, yeah, I guess so. I can't remember... Ever wanting to do anything out, so my mom said that I started singing before I could speak. So to Tina Turner was when apparently I found my voice, started trying to sing and be really loud on yeah. some holiday. um So yeah, and then I think my it my dad always encouraged me to sing and express myself, and my mom's not a bad singer. And then um I think in my secondary school years I was you know going off the rails, so they put me in. um <laughs> songs you know um singing lessons, and that was okay. you know a bit of a savior, so I had lots of training. I actually trained classically, my voice, um oh, so I've wow, got okay. that side of me too, so yeah, um, but yeah, I suppose yeah, it was just around me,
0: yeah, you can't really escape it once it's there, and mm. I think as well, when you get that bug of like wanting to um try out different things like you just said, then you've got different. Um, sort of like different pockets that you can pick from in terms of music. You can, you know, you've got such a, a wide range of things that you can pick from in terms of music. Um, it's like, a, it's, you know, it's like a blessing to have that because some, some artists are just sort of very one dimensional and what you see is what you get with them. But it sounds like you've got different, different um, options to choose from.
1: Yeah, it's like a mood board. Depends on how you feel, <laughs> isn't
0: it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely. So um, just going into sort of um early sort of music career um because i know you've done another you did um like a collaboration i think it was was it called dance um dance like shakiro
1: oh yeah i wrote that really? um i've not actually vocaled that i okay. wrote that earlier in the year on a songwriting camp in um okay. morocco um uh, okay. and it was with Jackie and Bridge brilliant artists yeah, yeah
0: um gonna get him on the pod
1: yeah. yeah definitely get him on um but yeah there was a there was about five of us that wrote that song but we wrote it on the roof of a sort of villa with a lot of yeah. gin dancing <laughs> to around. Yeah. So run, yeah yeah it
0: was yeah, a told me about it
1: was so. a tile yard songwriting camp so yeah it was really yeah. cool yeah, I mean, that must have
0: been amazing as well was it, it was like for a week or something wasn't it? like a couple of was it was a week or a couple of days wasn't it
1: yeah it was about a week yeah. in the sun Writing yeah. a song every single day to a label brief, and um, yeah, that one got picked up.
0: Yeah, I remember that. I remember because I obviously like I know the I know Bridge really well, obviously. Um, so yeah, I remember like going on his like Instagram. I thinking he was always like videoing like the top of the rooftop, and um, I remember when I think you guys were sort of um, all meeting for the first time, like getting arriving at this big place and everything. It looked amazing. Like it was looked it really good.
1: Yeah, it was. Honestly, it was such a positive experience and I think everybody there was really, really creative, really talented, also very individual. But the best thing about it was, I think, in the music industry, sometimes people can kind of, you know, compete against each other, but there was this sense on that sort of writing camp slash holiday that we were all in it together and it was like really an amazing collaborative experience. So it was great fun. Yeah,
0: yeah. No, it just sounded as well. Um, and obviously, the latest single... Um, love is a killer um what was the meaning initially so um because i think if we could dive into that that would be good um what was the the meaning initially behind that and, and where did it stem from
1: so um my single love is a killer is to raise awareness against domestic abuse and domestic violence abuse against women um i always write songs about my own experiences I must, or if I'm writing for somebody else I try and tap into somebody else's experience or try and look for the story in a song um, but with my own music it always tends to come from what I'm feeling um, mm. and that song we were um so I'd with Jamie Duffin is the producer and um I've been introduced to him at Tile Yard by a guy okay. called Harry Leckstein and he sort of introduced us. And then I decided I was going to go down to Scotland or hold on up to Scotland <laughs> to meet Jamie. <laughs> <laughs> and um, that day, so I'd I'd been through an abusive situation myself. So my ex had been arrested and bailed. And, okay. um, but at the time I was also getting all these weird notes left on my car, um, oh, wow. cigarettes left on my car. And I thought I was being stalked and it was really scary because I wasn't sure if it was linked to him or if it was somebody else. Um, and I was sort of kind of ignoring it. um, trying to ignore the notes, but obviously they keep on coming. Mm. And, um, so I traveled to Scotland that day and I got, um, just about to go in the studio and my housemate sent me a picture of a note and said, babe, there's another note left on your car. And I was like, shit. So I was just so, it completely panicked me. So I was like, oh, you know, I want to write this. He was like, is anything going on for you? And we had like this long chat before we wrote the song. And I said, well, actually, this is all going on. And I'm actually quite worried. And I've been Googling, stalking and all this stuff, um, which is actually really serious because... Um, it it, it turned out not to be linked to my ex. It just happens to be some other weirdo, unfortunately, but, um, it, um, yeah, it was a nice experience. But when I, obviously when I was going through it, I was Googling all these statistics around stalking and actually a lot of people that leave, um, domestic situations or abusive situations, a lot of people that are stalked tend to have, you know, know their perpetrator or it'd be a past Mm. partner. Um, So, you know, I was paranoid setting in. So that's where the song sort of came from. I I kind of went into the session saying, I want to write this song. Sort of the theme is like, am I safe? Because I don't really feel very safe. And he said, well, what don't you feel safe? And I was like, well, extreme thought, like, you know. And so we flipped on its head and that's where Love is a Killer came. Um, And... So, actually, every single line in that song is true. Um, yeah. And then um, I decided, you know, as I, as from my experience, I kind of use music as therapy, I guess. Um, but from my experience, um, it took months for. The police to get to my case. It took about six months, um, but I, at that time, before he was even arrested, and at that time, it was very scary. And I remember ringing the police up, saying, um, "You know, can you can can you get to my case? Can you get to my case?" And literally, what was getting said to me was, "We have so many cases in the domestic abuse unit, and we just don't have enough police. We don't have enough resources. I'm really sorry." Um, and so that kind of spurred me on to want to do like raise more awareness about the subject um because i realized like it's a huge problem it's a massive problem and it it was scary because i was thinking well if i'm scared there's going to be women with even worse cases than me that are terrified and i would hate to think what sort of situation they're in so it kind of it it sort of was a gradual sort of growing of a concept um And then there was, I did more research into, obviously, all the aspects of um, domestic abuse and domestic violence and um, violence against women and decided, came up with the concept video of Love is a Killer, um, which I hope raises awareness, but also um, showcases tools that I had to learn and find, learn about and find myself, um, because the reality is, um, you know, the police can do as much as they, you know, they can to protect you. But you also, a lot of it is, unfortunately, as a victim of um, domestic abuse, is you protecting yourself. It's you mm-hmm. getting, um, you know, panic alarms and it's you getting CCTV and it's you, there's a great app called um Guard, actually, which I use a lot, which is... Um, you can put an address um, of where you're, you know, your starting location. And it yeah. will um, it will notify, you can set it up to close loved ones. It will notify your close loved ones that you've left and where you're going to. And then when you get to that place, you can say, I'm here safe. But if mm. on the way someone disturbs you or anything, you can actually shake your phone and you can set it to either sound or alarm or not, but you can shake your phone and it will start filming and send that. Footage to your loved ones and to a cloud device, so that sort of made me feel safer. But there was all these things that I had to find out. You know, Claire's Law. I'd already split up with my partner, so I couldn't do Claire's Law. But as we were going through the legal process, I had no idea if he had um, uh, past criminal convictions, and the police couldn't tell me. But I couldn't, I couldn't use that because I'd already left him. But if I was in a relationship with him, or as a family member of somebody, you know, that I was concerned about, I could apply for that. It's um, on the Gov website. So all these things I wanted to highlight because I realised I'd learned so much through such a traumatic experience and it it had been very hard. So it was born out of, um, that's what it was born out of. So yeah, very long answer.
0: <laughs> no, no. And I think I wanted it to be detailed like that because I think <laughs> it was, um, like, I love the title of the song. So I think it needed that um, context behind it, just so people understand why you named it that and what the meaning was behind the song as well. But I think there's a lot to pick from what you just said there as well, though. So um, going sort of back a bit. So Claire, Claire's Law, I think that is the law that allows a partner to be able to To check previous convictions um, relating to domestic abuse, or is it, I'm I'm assuming, all previous convictions of um, a partner that they believe or suspect to be an abuser?
1: I think it's previous convictions that are relevant. I think Um, you'd have to read more up on it. Definitely anything violent or anything abuse related. Yeah, definitely. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. And I think, yeah. So, what I'll do, um, I want to put obviously a link to that from the Gulf website into the body of this podcast as well this episode just that people can have that and i think it's i think you hit so many nails on the head with what you were saying that you know a lot of the um because i i I mean i'm I'm talking from a point where i've never really experienced that so it's it's something for me like um almost like an educational thing for me because obviously i've never experienced it so i wouldn't know how i would feel in that position but it's, it's good that there's things that are happening now, like the the app you mentioned and um, panic alarms, etc. There's things out there now that is there and in place um, to prevent things from happening. Um, and a lot of the time, I think from previous conversations that I've had, I've had with people that they, they've experienced something like that or similar. Um, you know, they find it very hard to to leave that relationship based on the fact that they're. They're at a point where they're that low that it's probably hard for them to leave that relationship at that point. And I think that's what a lot of people struggle with. I'm assuming, you know, I don't want to categorise everyone, but, um, you know, it must be very difficult for someone to leave that kind of relationship that they're in at that point when they kind of feel like they haven't really got anything else around them to support them if they leave, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, there's a big question. um, And sometimes it can be... um not a helpful question you know when people say why didn't you leave to a domestic Mm. abuse survivor there's many reasons why they don't leave um it you know they could they they part of them loves them part of them's terrified of them um part of them has been conditioned to um rely like you know all their self-esteem is gone and you know they you know, the eats away at your self-esteem abuse. Um, also, quite often, um, perpetrators tend to isolate a victim. So they may not have a support network. They might be financially dependent on their abuser. They might have children with their abuser. It may be more complicated. So it's not always easy. Sometimes people don't even realise they're being abused. Yeah, exactly. Um, so... I think that's why awareness is really important um around that. So but you know, I think a lot of people that there is this sort of thing, um, not with everybody, but some people will say to it like, you know, oh, you know, why well, I, I would have left. I would have left, I wouldn't put myself through that. But until you're in that situation, um, you you can't really say that. You don't really know because a lot of you know, abusive relationships start off amazing. And yeah, of a lot of abusers are very, very charming. And mm. um, and to the outside, your outside network. So, you know, the victim of the abuse may be the only one that sees that side of the abuser. Mm. Um, so, yeah.
0: Sometimes, sometimes I think... Um the person being abused tries to protect the abuser sometimes as well. So, you know, it, you know if it's, if it's um, physical abuse that they're, they're, they're receiving, they'll try and cover that up. And then if people are around the house or they're, you know, they're out visiting someone, you know, they, they'd rather try and protect the person that's abusing them, um, which sounds, you know, crazy. But it, I think like you sort of touched on as well, that's probably because of a point where, you know, they don't want, to extend that abuse even further if they do tell someone, or they don't want, you, you know, there's so many different angles to look at it from. They don't want to look at let people to look at them as if to say that, you know, they're with that person and this is what they're doing to them. It, it's so many angles to look at. Yeah. It's so, you know, it's so easy for someone just to say, oh, you should have left or you should have walked away. But, you know, you probably ask 99.9% of people in that position, they probably would want to leave and they, you know, they would want to try and get out of that predicament that they're in and that, that, that. Um, environment but it's not just as easy as packing your bags and going and sometimes they're not there's not even a case of you you're not even able to do that because of the the level of abuse that they're receiving as well.
1: Yeah there's a lot of shame as well that goes with it you know exactly, with myth, yeah. admitting that you've been in an abusive situation which there shouldn't be at all because um, no, no. there's a lot of judgment you see um, and also a lot of fear like you know generally you know, some women are are generally very, very scared. Some women, when they when they're leaving, you know, their lives are at risk. Or after, even more so. Yep. You know, you actually after you leave, um, so they say you're actually in more danger. For I think yeah, it does, a couple doesn't of weeks Does not stop? After. Does it as soon as she Yeah. Um, so yeah, definitely that is one thing. Doesn't stop. I think the lasting effects of um, abuse are very long term, and healing takes a long time. Yeah, definitely.
0: Do you, you know you said um, that your your case took um, six months for them to get it to sort of court? Did you get a conviction in well, the end not, or, to,
1: not to court? <laughs> six months for them to even take a statement. Well, they right. Sw- okay. So, th- so for them to take it seriously, for them to, you know, um, yeah, I got um, he got twenty seven months in prison. Right. Okay. Uh, but this the is, whole so- the whole process took just under two years
0: right okay and this kind of goes back to um one of the questions so um do you think there's the law well two it's like twofold question i suppose do you think the law is an a deterrent for people's convictions who have been abusing um their partners do you think it's um strong enough or do you think there needs to be change in that element as well and also do you think that the police resources should be focused more i don't know this is a a question that I could ask, you know, someone who's dealt with racism before or something else, another crime as well. Do you Mm -hmm. feel that there should be more spotlight on, um, domestic abuse and domestic violence from a police point perspective as well, from their point of view?
1: Um, I think the police need more training in it. Um, particularly, um, the control and coercion law that was introduced a few years ago. So, um, my ex was arrested on a number of charges and that was one of them. And we had folders of evidence, you know, and so much evidence, probably more evidence than was needed. Um, but the thing with that law is no one knows how to use it yet. So actually that that charge got dropped. Although the police officers involved in my case were like, wow, like, I'm so sorry because it's really, really clear. And, um, you know... It was incredibly clear, control and coercion. So that law at the minute is a bit of a show law. So there's definitely something that needs to be done around that training. So I think there's – I'm not sure there's any set examples of it. You know how like, you know, um, in law there's normally examples. So then you can say, okay, so that's the, you know – the thing we go by but that because it's so new you know it's 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 great that it's there but if no one knows how to use it there's not much point in it um yeah, yeah. I think um there's another great thing after um a petition but well, not a great thing but it's a the petition is great um and it's a petition called victims to petition and at the minute um victims only have six months to report a violent assault before they have no rights. So if you've been a victim of violent assault prior, um, you know, than six, longer than six months ago, and then you get up the courage to report it, you don't, they don't actually have to take your case. So there's a petition, um, well, you, I don't know if t- take the case is the right word, but you don't have, you know, as many rights. So I think that's definitely something that I would encourage everyone to sign. Um, I'm trying to think what else of the question. I just think there needs to be more awareness around the subject, more funding for the police, definitely, because, Yeah, um, and, you know, you can also just supporting charities because uh, so charities do a lot. Like a lot, like Mm. Refuge, Women's Aid, they do a lot. You can ring them up um, on their helplines or on their live chats. Um, And, you know, they're free services and they quite often, you know, know a lot more than the police. Um, And I think also, I guess, like going through the whole legal system as uh, a victim. it's very very hard too and it doesn't feel like there's loads of support there i mean there's victim support but in my in my personal experience i i'm not saying they weren't supportive but there wasn't a massive amount of support so you kind of feel quite on your own with it so even a bit more um sort of guidance on going through the legal system and actually what it takes to go through all yeah.
0: of that yeah because that would be some people's first experience of ever probably stepping into a courtroom not even just you know dealing with the full case and trial if it goes to trial um 100 that procedure and that even just you know i've worked in courts before and i know sort of some of the older buildings they're quite daunting to walk into just to you know, people think it's going to be a bit like how you see it on TV, and and sometimes it is quite daunting just to walk into the courtroom. You know, and you've got like you you know, depending if it goes to crown or if it's a magistrate's matter, but you know, you, you it's just daunting for some people. You know, and I think like you say, it, it needs definitely needs more police training because there's things that, um, you know, happen within people's households, and the police probably get called out, and you know, um, you know, the neighbour might be able to call the police and they come and they it's, it's looking for those signs isn't it those those signs that someone is asking for help but they're not saying it as well if that makes sense um
1: yeah no. also the problem with um uh sort of not realizing the signs of you know someone needing help is um abuse comes in all forms like physical mm-hmm. emotional mental financial sexual um revenge porn now that you know um love fraud crime stoppers have just done a report on love fraud and how that's got a lot of control and coercion and emotional abuse links in there too so it comes in many different forms and it is very hard to sometimes spot especially because um it's often hidden you know it's Mm. often and also behind closed doors you know
0: yeah yeah and if no one's you know, if no one's seeing it, it's hard to, first of all, um, pick up on it and, you know, report it. If you're not seeing it, you can't report on what you don't see. So it is It's such a, but I agree with you, you know, it's such a, it is a topic that I think really needs the spotlight um, as much as other things do at the moment, especially this year as well. Yeah. Um, I, it's one of those subjects that people feel like, unless they're probably going through it, it's almost, and I can only, and I don't want to compare the two. So, this isn't me comparing the two, but, um, you know, sometimes if I speak to someone about like race, for instance, they don't understand really to the core of what it's about because they've probably never been through it mm-hmm. or they've never experienced it. So, I think this is very similar in some ways because some people don't really want to talk about it because they've not experienced it or they potentially won't experience it this conversation still needs to be had because like myself, you know, I want to be educated on things like that. There could be someone I know that is going through um, like an abusive relationship or, you know, just even, not not even violently, but just mentally, like you say, there's different forms of it. I would want to educate myself to understand that. So I can maybe say, well, hold on a minute. That's a bit, are you okay in that situation? You, you can talk to me and, and, you know, and just have that conversation with someone.
1: Yeah, I mean it's it's a heavy subject, isn't it? You know, and people feel uncomfortable talking about heavy su- subjects, and also there's a bit of a stigma attached to this subject if you're talking about it. Like, you know, no one wants to be called a victim. I think you know, survivor is a much better word. Yeah, um, but you know, the fact is that one in three women will be affected by domestic abuse in their lifetime. And it just, it doesn't just affect women, it can affect men, but also it affects yeah. children as well. Children that are witnessing those relationships or, you know, growing up in dysfunctional scenarios like that. And especially with COVID and um, the pandemic, it's got so much worse, like, you know, stay home, stay safe. It's really not safe for some women. And, um, just to give you like a little sort of statistic on that, like two women a week were killed in the UK by their, um, by their abusive partner or ex-partner that in lockdown has risen to four a week. So that's how bad it's gotten. And then you've, and you know, it's not, and also it's not just in those relations, like, you know, um, people dying from being killed in by their partners their ex-partners it's three women a week are committing suicide as a result of domestic violence because of the trauma yeah the impact of it so I think it's Mm. you know it's um I think awareness needs to be you know brought up really more and it needs to be talked about more and also you know I think in schools they need to be taught. I mean, I remember sex education, but do you remember like being told what a healthy relationship was and what are the signs no, of abuse right. and you yeah. know love and respect? I think they need to be they need to be introduced um, into the school curriculum um, just mm. as much as Black History does. You know.
0: Yeah, yeah. No. Definitely. And I think that's that's a key thing. I think. If, well, if you speak to me about the, the, the national curriculum, I could be here for hours. But. I think... <laughs> I think there needs to be more of that. Like, um, you know, we still learn about, and I'm not trying to demolish this, like say that it doesn't matter or anything like that. But, you know, we learn about things that, well, not that it doesn't matter, but there's more things you could add, like you just said, into the curriculum for kids now, especially some kids who unfortunately are growing up in a household where it could be both their parents are violent to each other. Or they could just be in a household where, you know, the abuses are on both sides. Um, you know, they're having to go to school and try and live a normal life. And then, like you said, when they're 16, 17, 18, and they want to try and have a relationship, they might think that's normal to act that way. So it's almost breaking a cycle, isn't it, of saying, well, no, it's not normal. You know, one or both of your parents shouldn't be doing this. Um, and these are the reasons to why... It's not normal, you know, and just educate kids, and again, like I said, it's like it's education not just for kids but for for everyone who probably doesn't have that much experience about this subject as well,
1: yeah, and some kids will you know grow up and know that it's not normal, but they'll be left with trauma like trust issues, yeah. intimacy issues, et cetera, you know so yeah it's it it stems further than just affecting you know women, I guess the
0: abuser, mm. yeah. Sorry, the abuse, not the abuse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just wanted to go back a bit as well again. So, because you shot a video for um for your for your single. Yeah. Um where where like t- talk me through it. Where was the locations? How long did it take? It looks like I mean it's a brilliant video, so Thank you. and it was well directed. So um where was the locations and how long did it take to, to shoot?
1: Um well first of all, I the person that shot the video is Ella Carmen, so I need to shout out to her because she was. I picked her to shoot it because she works on a lot of social issues, so her hi, her work highlights a lot of social issues in Birmingham. Okay. Um, so I knew that she would kind of do it justice, and she helped me, you know, sort of storyboard the whole video. Um, we filmed it in um just a big house in Birmingham.
0: Okay.
1: Um, and. Um, got an actor um and sort of I don't know how to explain it we um I've lost my words now we storyboarded it all out so to try and show what we wanted to the different help points you know like the yeah. different resources to tell yeah, a yeah. story of a relationship that turns into something quite dark and Um, also, you know, there's bits where she's sort of sitting in front of the mirror and there's all those words and that's sort of trying to show, you know, the effects on, you know, her afterwards, like all the words she's internalised them and she's not necessarily said them to herself because you see in the video that, you know, her partner has written them on the mirror for her and she's there looking at them. Um, It's, it was, yeah, so it was just all to sort of, highlight that i don't
0: know what to say yeah yeah no and i think that's i mean for anyone who hasn't watched the video when this uh, episode comes out and again i'll put a link um in the description but yeah it's definitely um a well-directed video um and i think it gets that message across along with the context you've added today and obviously the, the title in itself um i think it definitely does the song justice as well um and, and yeah, I think it was I think why I liked the song, and I remember when I first listened to it was that it was obviously so different to a lot of the music that's kind of out at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, you know there's 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 songs obviously that everyone everyone's got different taste in music, but there's not really many songs that touch on subjects that need to be touched on if that makes sense. You know there's you know anyone can go in the studio and make a song that just has a catchy um, you know just catchy words in it and, and that's saying it, it sells and whatever whatever but this song has actually got a meaning behind it and I think that's what's the best part about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's what's making it draws people in. You know, it's not just a song. You know, you wanna understand and find out, well, why is it called um, you know, love is a killer. Why is it called that? Why is the video the way it's do you know what I mean? Like it's got so many aspects to it.
1: Yeah, we wanted the end of the video to be shocking because we wanted that shock value so you kind of look at the statistics afterwards because it, mm-hmm. the statistics are shocking yeah, and boy, actually, think, yeah. you know, the reality of it is shocking. So, I mean, the, I suppose you call it dark pop, couldn't you? But um, I think, you know, there's definitely an audience for it um, and there's definitely a lot of people that can relate to the song. So it's just a case of why not?
0: yeah yeah no I and mean, it was like i said it was a really good song um, thank you video um and you made a good point there and i did it's only when you just m- mentioned it before about obviously lockdown covid and the fact that the numbers have almost doubled um because i think you said initially it was two uh a two week, a
1: week yeah
0: and now it's four so those those numbers have doubled in a space of we're not even finishing this year yet so in the space of say seven months because lockdown started in march i think so or april um so it's just crazy to think that yeah you know stay home and keep safe but you know some people can't even do that and, and that's even someone's worst nightmare things. you
1: know yeah yeah yeah. yeah. No, some people nightmare. probably
0: want to go to work to get away from the person and now you're telling that person you've got to stay in the household the, shops house. open, yeah there's no hotels you can go to to save houses, um, so sort of like um like the you know the charities that are normally open, women's refuge, things like that. I'm, I'm assuming they're still open, but you they're know, they're still open, guessing...
1: but the problem is that they're full.
0: Yeah, that's um, what i to say. They're of them. as well.
1: But you can't I mean the good thing is that um women's aid set up an online chat which is chat.womensaid.org.uk which enables women if they can't call to ask for advice or help or anything they can go online and have a chat with you know a support supportive person trained in that field um yeah they've also there's also um a national um refugees national domestic abuse helpline which is 0808 08, two thousand two four seven and that's 24 hours and you know you don't even you can ring them up when you're in crisis or you can ring them up if you've got concerns or you want you know if you anything surrounding that issue you can ring them up I rang them up to talk about like you know being worried and the court system and how to navigate it and stuff you know that they, they are trained professionals that can help you obviously it's, if it's an emergency ring 999 but they're really good resources I think, but unfortunately, you know, it's, they are being, they've seen an increased amount of calls and usage on their website during lockdown. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah.
0: That even stems from um, a separate conversation I had with someone um, about the numbers of people who now drink at home, obviously, because um, and a lot of domestic abuse and domestic violence is normally, well, I say normally, but it could be linked to um, substance abuse, you know, substance abuse, mm-hmm. and a lot of that is probably going to happen a lot more with people being at home. They're drinking a lot more, um, you know. They're under each other's feet a lot more. And I'm not saying that's an excuse or a reason to ever do anything, but I just think that a lot of that doesn't help, you know. And I, I just, it's just it's almost like there's no reason to do it. But I think when you know those things are in place where you can't go out, you can't, you know, some people would probably prefer to not be in the house with someone but if you're being told you've got to stay in the house with someone and that person might be abusive anyway without any substance abuse or alcohol or whatever the, the drug is um, and being then locked down locked with substance house. abuse is
1: going
0: to make them even worse yeah or you know if the shops are shut and you know the pubs are shut and you can't get your, your alcohol you're an alcoholic you know it's just those little things and I, I, yeah I think a lot more but also a lot of be, abusers
1: like, like control so you know, the lockdown and having, you know, their victim or their partner, should we say, locked in a house with them is perfect for them because they'll be able to control the situation. And, you know, the abuse is hidden. No one can see it. It's harder for them to get They're Isolated, it's perfect, you know. It's perfect for domestic violence to thrive in that situation, which perfect is the wrong word. I mean, it's horrific. But, mm. you know, it's... I don't. I don't think, yeah, substance abuse is never an excuse but
0: yeah i guess it's a pressure cooker that's why it's getting even worse i think that's the area yeah, i'm trying to get get out with it it's just you know you, you can give someone 20 months or 30 months a year you know it, it's not you know they're doing they're they're good you know because obviously when you find a lot of and i'm going back to when i was you know a kid in school the bully was only the bully around people he thought you could be the bully about around but as soon as, like, there was other people around that were bit bigger than him or, you know, there were bigger bullies, he was just a, a pebble in the ocean. You know, he didn't, he was as quiet as a mouse. So most of these abusers that are probably going to, to prison, you know, they can't have that control. They're not in control. They're not, there's no one for them to abuse in prison. They probably become what they were, you know, they, they, the, the, the the whole table's turned around now. In some cases, and not to say you fight fight violence with violence at all—that's not what I'm saying. Um, what I am saying is that you know, um, a lot of the time, it's almost like the abuser hasn't got that control in prison. They come out and they just want to have this the same anger that they went in with. That makes sense, you know. They don't they don't learn anything.
1: Abusers like thrive on power and control mm. and manipulation, and that is a lot harder for them when they're inside you know you, that mm. t- takes that away from them and I think you know the criminal justice system is really horrible to go through and it's really hard but I would still urge women to do it and to um, follow through with it because a lot of women will you know start and then drop charges and that's probably because it takes so long and it is really hard however you've got to think well there, you can get justice, and maybe you might just stop them doing it to another woman. You know, like my ex can't do anything to a woman right now. He can't. He's not hurting mm. anybody else right now, and that's because of me. You know. Yeah. yeah <laughs> so there needs, be,
0: there needs to be more of that, though, doesn't it? Like, you know, there needs to be more people like yourself who do speak up, do take it to court, don't drop the charges, and allow allow as much as we want it to get better but the criminal justice system to do what they need to do in order for to prevent one person doing that to you know even if it's just another another one more person on the streets or you know what i mean like it's gotta be it's gotta be happening a lot more
1: yeah but i do want i have to say i do understand why some women don't because it is it is hard you know it is hard so i'm not really criticizing women that do drop the charges but I would urge people to just even though it's hard just to go through with it anyway because mm-hmm. I think also and there's a lot of people that don't talk about it because there's a lot of stigma and shame like and it's it's like this dirty like for the for me this was a dirty secret for like oh, well almost 2 years and um I didn't really have many people to talk about it if I really close people in fact a lot of close people might hear this podcast and go oh my god I didn't know any of that so mm-hmm. um you know I think it's, it's attached to a lot of shame and it shouldn't be, but it's, that's all part of the trauma, isn't it? So, um, I don't, I don't blame women for not talking about it. It's whatever's best for their healing. For my healing, talking about it is helping me expressing it artistically is helping me. Um, also, you know, if I can raise awareness about it and do something with my experience, um, I think that'll help me as well. And I, hopefully it will help other people. And so, but that's not, you know, that doesn't work for everybody.
0: Yeah, no, and that's true. And, you know, like we said at the start of the episode, you know, it's easy for someone to say, well, why didn't you leave? It's the same for, why didn't you tell the police? Why didn't you take it to court? You know, it's the same thing. You know, not, it's not, you know, not everyone's as strong-willed as the next person. So yeah, it's definitely something that you have to be able to be, strong enough mentally, physically to, to see from start to end. um, Yeah. And if the
1: support systems get stronger in the sort of legal mm -hmm. system and, you know, there's a bit more support for victims of abuse and more awareness. And, you know, there's a bit more of a stronger framework. I mean, it's, you know, it's getting better and better, but if that, you know, if it is stronger then maybe people will report it and maybe people will feel able to talk about it and will be able to get justice and, you know, yeah. Definitely, definitely.
0: Um, but no, definitely. Um, what I'm going to do um, is definitely put as much information in the description. Um, you know, you mentioned a few of the charity organisations. I um, so think some contact numbers as well. So get all those included in the description for anyone who's maybe just needs to talk to someone and um, you know have some sort of support network. Whether it just be like you said, you can talk to people online now um or the various organizations and charities that are out there so um i'll definitely put those um description uh, those links and the contact details for that in the description as well but
1: all um, the links are at the end of my video too and i've got a bit on my page saying resources on my instagram as well with all of those resources too
0: yeah and i'll share i, share, I try and share as much as i can on instagram I, I need to get better at instagram but um yeah i'll I'll go in and share them as well um what have we got to expect from you Uh, in 2021 are we going to get some more music Uh,
1: yes Um, (laughs) (laughs) so i've just finished a master's um in songwriting production okay and so part of that was writing and creating a whole album so i've done that this year that's what i've spent most of the lockdown doing um okay just needs mastering and a bit of tweaking so you can i don't know if i'm going to release it as an album i might release it you know in dribs and drabs um so definitely more music lots more music I'm currently writing a book um okay. so I'm hoping busy yeah ho- I'm hoping <laughs> that'll, that that will be coming next year and um yeah just more quick cre- more creativity more collaboration um you know more songwriting that means something and hopefully it's going to be a fun year hopefully next year is gonna be you know we can come out of our houses and some live gigs and stuff i know
0: you should have stayed in london because you'd be tier two now Now i
1: know (laughs) they're all going out to eat i know (laughs) on their instagram stories everyone's going out to like you know nice restaurants i was watching it last night and i was like oh god not fair it's crazy
0: it's crazy (laughs) our our brother our brother that's um sort of in the the outskirts of london so i think he might be tier two one of my other brothers lives in Birmingham still, or well, he's moved back to Birmingham now. So mm. he's in tier three. And I think we're in tier two in Liverpool. So it's like, what do you do Christmas? Like I know they've relaxed the the days over the last, like the four or five days over Christmas, but it's just mental. Like all these, like everyone's getting happy over tears. Like, I didn't think I'd ever see a time when we'd be cheering because we we're in tier two and not tier like it's just so crazy this year has been so yeah I hope next year we can um yeah we get back to normality whatever that is but get back to a bit of normality
1: yeah the new normal but with the live gigs and live music please um,
0: <laughs> no, no the only thing I'm missing at the moment is live music that's the only thing because I, I love going to live music you can't really I love I love music obviously but when you hear something live and you hear that bass in the ground and all of that oh so, uh, you can't beat it
1: yeah it's good for the soul
0: yeah, yeah, you can't beat that. But um, yeah, no, I think next year, hopefully, obviously, you sound like you're busy. You've got the book, you've got the um, album, or we're not sure we are going to call it, an album, but the new music's coming. Um, what, are, what are your socials as well, just so everyone can follow you on Instagram or Twitter? I'm not sure which ones you've got.
1: So my website is um rubylove.co.uk and then you've got instagram which is probably the one i use most um which is rubylovemusic or um my youtube where you can see the video is um rubylovemusic 1 because someone had already taken the rubylovemusic spoon <laughs> <laughs> and um, facebook if you're on there still um i've got a fan page which is official rubylove
0: cool okay so again this is going to be the longest description ever I think but um, I'm going to add all those into the description as well just so that it's a lot easier for people to just click and follow um but no really appreciate you coming on
1: thanks for having uh, me
0: yeah no it's really been a good it's one of those conversations that I think needed to be had but with the right person and I'm glad that it's obviously been with you because for for a number of reasons but um you've been able to shed a lot of light for me that there's things that I didn't know from that conversation, so I appreciate that. That's
1: all right. Thank you for giving me the platform to do it.
0: And hopefully, um, I'm just trying to think when this episode will drop. No, it won't be Christmas. I was going to say have a good Christmas, but it won't be. But have one anyway. <laughs> When's it going to drop? <laughs> um, I'm trying to think. You Got me on the spot now. Uh, it'll be before Christmas. That'll be definitely before Christmas.
1: That's good, because you need a cheery one for Christmas. Yeah, this yeah. is an important subject, but you need. To, I think you should get drunk and merry with someone on the next one. <laughs> <laughs>
0: no, I'm not drinking now till, till Christmas Eve, I think. I'm going to try not to drink.
1: Ah, oh, what, what tier yeah. are you in?
0: I'm in tier two, but we've got loads of alcohol in the house as well. But I just, I don't want to, I'm trying to like detox for this month until the 24th, stick home alone on. Get myself <laughs> a nice baileys or beer or mulled wine, whatever's in, whatever, and then just chill for the rest of the the christmas period but um but yeah no it's been it's been it's been good it's been a good conversation
1: great thank you so much for having me
0: no no thanks a lot all right thanks